0: Book 3, Chapter 4 of A Class Book of Old Testament History by G.F. McClear. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cliff Stone of Sydney, Australia. A Class Book of Old Testament History by G.F. McClear. Book 3, Chapter 4 The Journey from the Red Sea to Rephidim. Exodus chapters fifteen through nineteen, B.C. fourteen ninety one. And now the ransomed people commenced their journey, skirting the eastern shore of the Red Sea. They entered the wilderness of Shur or Etham, Numbers thirty three verse eight, on the western base of the high tableland which forms the northern portion of the peninsula of Sinai. A three days' march brought them to a well, probably Ain Hawara plentifully supplied indeed with water, but so bitter that they could not drink of it, whence they called it Mara, bitterness. This was the first test of their faith in their invisible leader, and they proved unequal to it. They murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? In his distress, Moses turned to the Lord who bade him cast a tree into the waters, and they were straightway sweetened. Leaving Mara, they reached Elim, Wadi Gorundel or Wadi Yuzit, where were twelve wells of refreshing water and three score and ten palm trees. Here they probably stayed some days, and then passing between vast cliffs, probably at the mouth of the Wadi teaba again came in sight of the deep blue waters of the Red Sea, Numbers 33, verse 10, where they encamped and were able for the last time to discern the shadowy line of Egypt, the land of bondage. Leaving the seashore on the fifteenth day of the second month, they entered the shadeless desert of sin. Exodus sixteen, verse one. By this time the supply of bread they had brought with them from Egypt was consumed, and the people burst forth into loud murmurings against Moses and Aaron. Would God, they cried, We had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and did eat bread to the full. Thereupon Moses was commissioned to assure them of speedy relief, and that very evening dense flocks of quails, immense numbers of which are found in Arabia Petraea and the adjoining countries, covered the ground around their encampment, Exodus 16, verse 13. Moreover, the next morning, when the dew had gone up, behold, there lay on the face of the wilderness a small round thing, as small as the hoar-frost, white, like coriander-seed, the taste of which was like wafers made with honey. On seeing this curious substance and not knowing its origin or properties, the Israelites exclaimed, Manu, what is it? Whence the substance hitherto unknown received the name of manna. Exodus 16 verses 14 to 36. Two conditions were annexed to the enjoyment of this extraordinary and unlooked-for blessing. The people were instructed to gather only a sufficient quantity for the wants of a single day, and omer, about five pints, each man, and they were to leave none of it until the morning. Some of them, however, infringed both these conditions, and in both instances found cause to regret their conduct. Some took the trouble to gather more than the prescribed quantity, and found that in spite of their exertions, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. Others did leave some of it until the morning, but they too found themselves disappointed, for it was in a state of decomposition and utterly unfit for food. On the sixth day, however, each man was surprised to find himself able to gather twice the usual quantity. This circumstance, Moses explained to them. The seventh day was to be observed as a holy Sabbath, rest unto the Lord. On that day no manna would be found lying on the ground. But on the sixth day they were to gather twice the usual quantity to make provision for the deficiency on the Sabbath. This command, however, was not universally obeyed. Some went out to gather on the Sabbath, but returned empty-handed. Thus the institution of the day of rest was presented as one of peculiar significance, and a preparation was made for the more precise legislation respecting it to be afterwards promulgated. In memory of this miraculous supply of the people's needs, Moses directed that an omer of the manna should be put aside in a vessel as a memorial to all future generations. Exodus 16, verses 32 to 34, John 6, verses 31 and 32, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 3, Hebrews 9, verse 4. After a halt of a week in the wilderness of Sin, and also at two intermediate stations, Dofka and Alush, numbers 33, verses 12 to 14, the positions of which are unknown, The Israelites reached Rephidim, places of rest, most probably the Wadi Feran, and the finest valley in the whole peninsula. Two circumstances distinguished their encampment in this valley. In consequence of a second failure of water, the murmurings of the people against their leader reached such a pitch that they showed signs of a readiness even to stone him with stones. Again, however, the Lord interposed and mercifully directed Moses to strike a rock in Horeb that is, one of the outer hills in the Sinaitic group, whereupon a copious stream flowed forth and refreshed the thirsty host. In memory of the murmuring of the people, Moses named the spot Massa, Temptation, and Meribah, Strife, Exodus 17, verse 7. The other circumstance which rendered memorable the encampment at this spot was of a different nature. One of the main streams of population occupying at this time the Sinaitic peninsula, was the powerful tribe of Amalek. Their settlements extended from the northern part of the peninsula even to the borders of Palestine. They were descended from Esau, and were governed by a chief, who bore the title, by some deemed hereditary, of Agag, the Burner or Destroyer. Compare Numbers 24 verse 7, 1 Samuel 15 verses 8 and 9. Regarding the encampment of the Israelites in the rich and fertile valley of Rephidim, With no friendly feelings, they mustered their forces and treacherously falling upon their exhausted rear, smote the hindmost of them and the feeble amongst them when they were faint and weary. Deuteronomy 25, verses 17 to 19. To repel this attack, Moses directed a young man, whose name is here for the first time mentioned, Joshua, or as he was now called Hoshea, salvation, the son of Nun of the tribe of Ephraim to select a body of men and go forth to meet Amalek in the valley. Meanwhile he himself ascended the hill, whence probably the refreshing streams had issued, with the rod of God in his hand and accompanied by Aaron and Hur. There, within sight of the battle in the valley below, he stood and stretched forth his hands in supplication to heaven. So long as his hands remained thus uplifted, the Israelites made good their superiority over the foe, but as often as from weariness his hands drooped amalek prevailed for a long time the contest seemed undecided at length aaron and hur seeing moses wearied with his exertions took a stone and placed it under him and stayed up his hands in the attitude of supplication till the sun went down by which time amalek had sustained a total defeat and been smitten with the edge of the sword This victory and the circumstances leading to it were too important to be forgotten. On the summit of the hill, where he had stood in the attitude of prayer, Moses erected an altar, which he called Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner, and, by the divine direction, inscribed in a book the account of Amalek's attack and rehearsed it in the ears of Joshua. Their treacherous conduct had placed them under the same ban as the nations of Canaan, and the lord would utterly put out the remembrance of amalek from under heaven exodus seventeen verse fourteen first samuel fifteen verse two and three second samuel eight verse twelve not long afterwards jethro the father-in-law of moses having heard all that the lord had done for his kinsmen and of the wonderful deliverance of the israelites from egypt left his tents among the midianites and came to meet him with his daughter zipporah and her two sons Gershom and Eliezer. After mutual salutation, the two passed into the tent, and Moses recounted to his father-in-law the marvels of the exodus, the travail of the people by the way, and their late deliverance from the sword of Amalek. Jethro rejoiced at the recital, bestowed upon the Israelites his solemn blessing, and offered sacrifices to Jehovah, to which, and the thanksgiving feast that followed, Aaron, the future high priest, and all the elders of Israel were invited. On the morrow, perceiving Moses occupied from morning until evening with the administration of justice and the settlement of disputes among the people, Jethro ventured to remonstrate with him on the risk he incurred by undertaking unaided so heavy a burden. He suggested that judges, rulers, and elders, able men such as feared God and hated covetousness, should be appointed who should at stated seasons see justice done between man and man, and reserve only the weightier matters for the attention of Moses himself. His wise advice was adopted, and men were duly appointed to preside over every ten, every fifty, every hundred, and every thousand of the people, and thus equalize the burden hitherto sustained by Moses alone. Exodus 18 verses 1 to 27 End of Book 3, Chapter 4 Recorded by Cliff Stone of Sydney, Australia.